So here we are in Winnipeg, Manitoba with our alumni and around the table. Here we go. Okay, I'm Jill Cooper and I'm from Winnipeg, Manitoba and I just, we were just arrived a month ago from Cochabamba, Bolivia um, where I was with my husband Jeff Rapat and our two children for four years and seven months. Um, so I originally went as a, an accompanying spouse um, and was on probably most of the time we were there. That was my that was my status with CUSO because at that time that was that was a benefit. Um, but I did work for um, some time as a CUSO cooperant um, with an organization called the Martadero, which is an arts and cultural center. Was the form was the former city slaughterhouse that a group of artists took over um, and turned into an arts and cultural center. And so I did. Um, a long time volunteering as without being a cooperant and then did a six month contract there waiting for the cooperant that did eventually arrive from Canada. Wow, wonderful. Mm -hmm. We'll ask you more questions. Okay. And I think that the interesting part is that you went with your children. Mm -hmm. Before you let it go, how old were your children? They were three and six when we left. My and so I have my son's turning eight next month and my daughter's 11. And do they speak Spanish? They sure now? do, better than we do. <laughs> Amazing. <coughs> Wonderful. Yeah. So you were a CUSO co op friend. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I was with CUSO, and uh, my name is John Westall. I was with CUSO in 1969 to 1971 ah. with my wife Heather, mm. and our daughter was born in Tanzania in ah. 1971. I taught at the Dar es Salaam uh, Technical College, and, uh, which is very interesting actually. And we took our daughter back to Tanzania in 1997, about, or 1998. And we went back to Techno College. And surprisingly, nothing had changed. The, the same equipment, they were still using the same electrical equipment we had used wow. in 1971, which was wow. kind of depressing. Yes. <laughs> you had a lasting impact. It lasted a long, long, long time. time. <laughs> it was just so sad, so sad. But uh, oh. that's just the, way it is, just the way it is, you know. But, uh, yes. Please pass it um, My name is Heather Westall, and uh, of course, with John, we lived in Dar es Salaam, and uh, I taught at Azania Boys School. And at that time, the boys' school was uh, standard seven to uh, the uh, AO levels. Uh, at that time, they were using the British system for exams, the A-levels and O-levels, mm -hmm. and uh, my job was to teach English to the boys who at that time uh, had a pretty good grasp of the language. Uh, things like the article don't exist in Swahili, so we would be doing things like drilling the use of the ah and the the in, uh, in the sentences and phrases and things of that type, but the boys were really uh, quite good. Their English was really quite good at the time. They were often almost as old as, well, we were just in our mid-twenties at the time, but some of the boys would have been that age. And I think primarily because uh, they may have had to wait their opportunity in the family to get to school, seeing as how after standard, at standard seven, families had to pay to have their children in school in Dar es Salaam at that time. But it was a wonderful time, and uh, I've never been sorry that we went there for those two years. Thank you. 
Uh, my name is Ashley Mitchell. I'm also from Winnipeg, Manitoba and half from uh, Clear Lake, Manitoba, which is in uh, Riding Mountain National Park. Very beautiful place. Uh, I was lucky enough to spend six months in the Solomon Islands of the South Pacific from 2005 till 2006. And it's this glorious country of a thousand tropical islands, uh, which doesn't so much as have really electricity or running water and things. So there were a lot of challenges while we were there. Um, I worked with Voice Belong Mary, which translates to the voice belonging to women, so a women's rights organization there. And I was there theoretically to uh, do skills transfer of computer skills. Uh, upon arriving there, didn't really follow that that path very much so, but was able to do a lot of work uh, with the women there, as well as their partner organizations. Uh, some work with computers, some work uh, uh, helping them with their uh, radio program that they broadcast out to the islands. Literacy is at about 19%, I think, they're just staggeringly low rates, so uh, radio programs are among the best ways to get information out. So it would be information such as, you know, you can get an education, you have the right to vote, you know, you don't have to let your husband hit you, um, that you do have some rights even if they're not always necessarily being respected. So it was uh, certainly the, the best thing that I've ever done was my time there. And uh, just last week, actually, I was lucky enough to have my very best friend there who's from Prince Edward Island, who I volunteered with come to Winnipeg and spend eight days with me. So we've just spent a lot of time reminiscing together and... Uh, yeah, thinking back on it. So we would love to go back someday, but not for a while, I think. And I think you're continuing to serve QSO uh, VSO is on the board of MCIC. That's right. Yeah. So thank you for your service. You're welcome. Well, I'm Shirley Lord, and I'm becoming a lifer with <laughs> me. <laughs> we were. George and I went to uh, Uganda in February 2004. And I stayed three years. I spent two years with the National Union of Disabled Persons of Uganda and one year working with an organization that was building bridges between traditional healers and biomedical workers to try and improve uh, uh, health care because 80% of East Africans at least first go to a traditional healer. And this organization had decided that... Uh, rather than dismiss all traditional healing, that they would identify those who did no harm and work with them to do, to build their skills and to support the biomedical system, which is really devastated in terms of... I mean, we in, in North America harvest the doctors of Africa, <laughs> and we leave their systems pretty desperate. And uh, working for two years with the National Union of Disabled Persons of Uganda, I worked with some of the most amazing people. Uh, their, their ability, everybody I worked with in the organization at the leadership level would have had a, a degree. And they got degrees in situations where you can't even fathom how they ever got into the university, some of them with the physical disabilities, and the supports they needed if they were visually impaired or uh, hearing impaired, but managed to succeed. So it was a wonderful opportunity for me to see what other people were doing. I work, uh, my work has really been in resource mobilization, so some of it is grant writing, but I also like to look at how the organizations do work and see whether they can generate revenue 
or if they're doing grant applications, can they think about what they would look for that would provide them with long-term sustainable funding. So then came home very briefly, went back to Ethiopia for six months, worked with the Christian Relief and Development Association, uh, which was headed, we had an acting director who was Muslim, so (laughs) it was interesting in terms of, but the organization had actually, the name had evolved when it was established to deal with the famine in 1973. uh, It was uh, 12 churches and Oxfam came together to do the uh, relief aid. And this organization is gone, was going through a fair amount of transition about where it was going and what it needed to do to raise money because in the past it actually had to choose which donors it sent away because there had been such a huge appeal that they had, a successful appeal that they had done very well. And then the year before we went in, uh, they had spent according to budget and never looked at revenue. And, of course, they then ate up a bit of their reserve. Came home, and then I went as an accompanying spouse with George to Zanzibar. And uh, George was placed with the Anglican Diocese in its Marathi or its uh, sustainable livelihoods work that it was doing, which is part of the work that VSO Tanzania is doing, particularly in Zanzibar. And just informally did some work with that project and then was recruited to go up to Moshi uh, to do an assessment of uh, where a volunteer or volunteers might fit in with uh, a school, uh, vocational school for the deaf. Did the assessment, and they've now asked me to go back so to the vocational school for the so deaf. Shirley and George are just back for a short time, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so we get so. Uh, an opportunity to go back. And it's, I mean, it, it, we lived at, uh, when we were up in Moshi, stayed at the Y, and Moshi and managed to. <laughs> you were there. Swim, swim every day and no, see no. Mount Kilimanjaro at the end of the pool. <laughs> uh, but work again. It was with a, a parents group of uh, parents of children with hearing impairment, and given my experience in the disability movement in East Africa, particularly with all the superstition. It goes around uh, about disability. It was amazing to see what these parents and grandparents had done to get uh, sign language in 10 primary schools in Tanzania. So now the challenge is that they have these students graduating from P7, and it means they move from Swahili sign to English. And so they've concluded that it makes more sense to try and get some vocational training than to get them into an academic stream when there's no resources really. Yeah, in English sign. Yeah, in English sign, so it's very limited. So it'll be interesting to go back and work yeah. with this group again. Welcome home for a short time. <laughs> and you, welcome home. Thank you. I'm Catherine. You're the youngest person in this room. Am I? So. <laughs> um... I, I'm originally from Snow Lake, Manitoba, but I live here in Winnipeg for quite a while now. Um, yeah, I just got back in April from Indonesia. I was working in a city called Salatiga, which is right in the middle of the island of Java. 
Uh, my organization is called uh, YLSKAR, and they work with all kinds of different local groups, mostly farming groups and women's groups. Um, right now, they're really focusing on farmers groups with kind of like environmental friendly trend with um, like natural fertilizing and just education about sustainable practices. Uh, my job there was to do the computer stuff, so I was stuck in the office doing websites and databases and teaching the office staff various IT skills. Um, yeah, I was there for 10 months, I guess, and then for that, in 2006, I was in Ghana with the NetCore program, and I was working for an organization called Mattan to Do, which translates into women, uh, women of the North. And um, yeah, I was doing the same kind of work there with websites and just training the staff. And they work in microcredit. And um, yeah, I was there yeah, for five months. And I think you should never travel to Africa without a NetCore or IT person. Close at a hand. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Chris Yours Todd. I'm uh, Northern Irish. I've been in Winnipeg, Manitoba for three years. Oh, okay. Just emigrated. I was with VSO in Rwanda in 2000. So I went as a, I'm a primary teacher. Uh, you don't call it primary though here. You call elementary. It? elementary, thank you. <laughs> An elementary teacher, and I went to teach uh, secondary English. I was in Gisenyi, in the, the west of uh, Rwanda, in Gisenyi province as well. And I taught from September to, I think it was June, and unfortunately we got pulled out. So we got pulled out just just before our students did our exam, did their exams. So it was a little, a little difficult, but uh, we had a good year. We uh, learned a lot and hopefully shared a lot with our students. When you say we, it's you and your husband. Yeah, he was there as well. I was in Gachuba Teacher Training Center. Um, the students were aged from 14 to 18, although a lot older because of the genocide. Many were 25, older than me. So you <laughs> were pulled time. out around the time of the genocide? No. no after? No, after. There was a little yes, bit of trouble coming in from uh, Congo. So all right. We were, all right. we were pulled out. But there were, there were VSOs in Gassini since that. So he was teaching at a school just outside the town. When I was inside the town. We both had a wonderful experience. Wonderful. Thank you. George. <laughs> a Staffer. Hi. Uh, my name is George Harris. Um, Good evening, all. I'll get a chair. I'll go. All right. And um, I... Uh, come from Winnipeg, sometimes. <laughs> um, I started with uh, CUSO in 1968, um, teaching first in Tabora Boys School and then uh, and Tabora Girls School. I was teaching mathematics. Um, and um, How old were you then? Uh, 23. Okay. Starting. Um, um, and then... Um, Mathematics, general paper at A level. Um, uh, then uh, moved on to, um, after three years in Tanzania, moved on to Zambia, uh, taught mathematics again in, uh, in uh, Chadiza, in eastern province of uh, uh, Zambia. Uh, I was only there for uh, less than a year, and uh, then 
started work with um, a, um, um, a settlement project in southern province of Zambia. Spent uh, another um, uh, three years as a volunteer there, but continued on and with the organization after I was no longer recognized as a volunteer. Uh, spent a total of, uh, of uh, ten years on that project. Um, and uh, came, uh, so that's, that, that was my uh, volunteer work under CUSO. Uh, the land, maybe I should just say about the land settlement project, uh, we were basically uh, doing an orderly, re orderly settlement of land which had been alienated from the indigenous population by the uh, British, and uh, that meant uh, uh, taking estates and dividing them into small farms and uh, finding um, support services for the farmers. Um, uh, we basically uh, were uh, implementing, uh, well, using all, all the financial institutions to implement a microcredit uh, program before it was called microcredit. Um, so it was uh, quite fascinating uh, to, uh, to see how effective that was. Um, uh, I was at that time uh, very much involved in uh, the um, uh, accounting, uh, financial administration, and the um, and the uh, and basically small credit for the farmers. Um, did a little bit of work uh, setting up a, a chain of hardware stores through the various settlements. Uh, we had a, we had uh, I think it was four different hardware stores that were in uh, in our. Operation, but they were small stores. When you think of stores in Africa, you're talking about one-room shops and basically providing tools and and uh, that for farmers. The duka. And the little duka, yes. Mm -hmm. <coughs> um, then uh, I uh, my volunteer work uh, uh, restarted again. When uh, Shirley's already given you a bit of background on that, when uh, when we got in 2004, uh, we took up an assignment with uh, in. And uh, I was working um, in uh, providing, uh, I was a financial advisor to uh, the uh, organization with traditional healers um, uh, in, uh, in Uganda. Uh, after a couple of years there, um, well, two and a half years there, I uh, moved on to another project on the western part of Uganda, and um, that was a community health center in Bwindi, right? Uh, uh, out in the area where the mountain gorillas are, mm. uh, just to establish the geography. Uh, I was, they had, they had no uh, financial systems in the community health center and basically was designing the financial systems and uh, getting them up and running and, uh, and uh, spent about a year there. Uh, after that was, uh, we were back in Canada for a little bit, and then off to Ethiopia to work with uh, Christian Relief and Development Association. And uh, I, my responsibilities were largely related to trying to help them understand the financial crisis that they were in, and try to work out uh, what they could do about uh, making sure it didn't happen again. Um, and came forward with a number of recommendations. And after that six month assignment, we were back in Canada for a bit, and then off to Zanzibar to, uh, as uh, at that time I was given the lofty title of, um, uh, what was it, what was 
uh, organizational development, organizational development and um, management consultant. <laughs> um, but it was it was uh, basically a job description that could easily have consumed uh, a two-year placement, and um, it was envisaged to take place in three months. Mm. So um, came up with a number of recommendations, but uh, really uh, couldn't. Uh, they, for example, the the uh, diocese in uh, in uh, Zanzibar they had uh, many many projects, uh, but not a great deal of focus. And trying to work out a way to bring about greater focus and allow them to manage it all more effectively. So now we're back in um, in uh, Winnipeg for a little while. Okay. We'll see what happens next on That's this right. adventure of a lifetime. <laughs> so it started it started as a CUSO volunteer, then a VSO volunteer, and the last assignment was a CUSO VSO volunteer. But you've also worked with us. Uh, well, I worked with uh, CUSO for a few years as well. Exactly. So there you go. That's so a hard act to follow. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, my name is Jeff Rapat, and I'm also from Winnipeg. Um, partner of Jill, who went with me to Bolivia, as well as our two children. And I guess my story started off when I was a kid. I was 12 and 13, and I moved to Bolivia with my parents. Not as they weren't CUSO cooperants, but my dad was a civil engineer working on a road project there. So I spent a couple of key formative years there. Uh -huh. Came back here and always wanted to figure out a way to go back there. <laughs> <laughs> and when we set off to apply to do international work, we actually weren't thinking of Bolivia, but uh, we ended up there anyway. Just about oh. Things unfolded, so, uh, and got to take my kids back with me too, which was also an amazing experience for, for all of us. Um, I was working initially, or I guess we're supposed to say how long we were there too. We were there from yeah. November '04 until uh, May of this year, '09. Yes. And recent welcome backs. Yeah. Um, originally, um, I was working on a labor market study for as an al to find alternatives for children who were working in mines in uh, Potosi, mm -hmm. Bolivia which is a situation that you really have to see to believe. It sounds like impossible from here, but it does. It happens. Um, the problem being, though, that we'd been told to live in Cochabamba, and Potosi was a 12-hour bus right away. So spending a lot of time back and forth on the bus and a lot of time away from home during the initial settling in period wasn't, wasn't easy. So after three or four months of that, we had to reconfigure my assignment and ended up working in the city that we were living in, which was nice. Um, but traveling out quite a bit to different projects. This was a, it was, I was partnered with a, uh, an NGO that ran uh, projects for children, families, and communities. And most of them were community development type projects uh, in um, urban neighborhoods as well as rural communities. So it was a really a wide range of projects. There's uh, 31 30, 31 projects, and got to travel a lot, especially uh, to one particular project where I was involved with uh, monitoring and evaluation in a very rural uh, community about three hours from where we were. So where the, yeah, it was just a whole, whole other world from the city where we lived. So it was a fantastic experience. And 
yeah, lots of lots of memories, lots of stories to tell, lots of pictures, including I just was sitting here listening to everyone else. I went, hey, that's my picture. I took yes, that. Yes, that is. <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking, this is sounding very familiar. That's your picture. Yeah. <laughs> so it's on our calendar for 2009 front that's cover. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> they ask your permission to No, I didn't know about it. Oh, that's one. You're going to have to take a few. And you just walked in. Welcome. Sorry, I'm late. Couldn't get here sooner. You're just getting, doing, going around. Yes, and, yes. Um, and we're get recording it for a podcast, so stay oh. serious. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm Dennis Lewicki. Um, oh, okay. Uh, I, I've heard about you. Yes. <laughs> trying to put faces to names, right? Uh-huh. Um, uh, really quickly, I started with uh, my overseas work in 74, going to Botswana as a volunteer, and came back a decade later, um, uh, committed to development, um, and then I've worked as a field staff officer in Tanzania, East Africa, and then I was a regional rep for Southern Africa, and then I was also a rep for the Caribbean, went to the Caribbean after uh, Africa. Um, then came back to Canada, worked for Oxfam, did consulting work, I did work for CEDA, UN, a uh, number of agencies, bounced around. Um, last uh, worked for uh, and I'm ashamed to say it. <laughs> I worked for a company in Pakistan. It was a terrible experience. Um, and now I'm been back here in Canada for uh, about seven years now. Oh. And came as a consultant to us in Uganda for a month of his holidays. Because I'm because I have a very high-paying uh, union job, I'm able to take my holidays every year. I take over a month, and I do working holidays. Uh, the last one was in Mexico for a month, and I did one in Uganda. I've been really lucky. I've been able to go back to Africa about every five or six years since I first went on different projects and things. So that's why I keep my spirit alive. <laughs> and and I'm, I didn't bring them in. I'll bring them right here. What did you bring? <laughs> Still trying to flog uh, a book about a CUSO project that was started many years ago. Uh, but if any of you are interested, it's a women's uh, uh, cooperative in Botswana. And I worked with them in 1977. And then I went back in 97 and wrote the book about them. So, um, Can, let's uh, let's uh, give the title of the book for the podcast. It's called Equal Shares, Odie Weavers and the Corporative Experience by Dennis Lewicki and Kytoscope. Mm, oh, sorry. Kitsiopi N- Nothamang. And then, how much is this book? Uh, well, I'm giving them away. No, but how much can we buy them for? Oh, well, in that case, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if, um, uh, they were selling for about $20, but we got a deal for them for about $5 a pop. All right. Uh, sell them, that's great. That'd be great. Well, thank you, everyone, from Winnipeg. So I will get on to the I- things that I've been wanting to, information I've been wanting to get from.